This is episode 139, Develop the Self-Trust to Launch Your Business with Francis. Welcome to Over It and On With It. I'm your host, Christine Hassler, and for over a decade, I've been a life coach, speaker, and author. Each week, you'll hear me work directly with a caller as I coach them through a goal they want to accomplish or an obstacle they may be facing. I'll provide a blend of practical and spiritual advice as well as tangible actions you can apply to your own life. Now, let's get on with the episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome back to the show. Got another great episode for you today. And I'm going to be coaching Frances specifically on starting her coaching practice. But even if you're not an entrepreneur, even if you don't want to be a coach or have a coaching practice, this is a really insightful call because the deeper issue that we talk about is self trust and overcoming the imposter syndrome. So definitely listen in because all of us, no matter what our profession, often come up against the imposter syndrome or doubting ourselves. Before we dive in, I want to thank our sponsors for this week. First, we have justfab.com, which is changing the way women shop, including me. I'm all about having great style without spending a fortune. And since I'm a little immobile these days due to my fractured foot and limping around in a boot, online shopping is really the only shopping that I can do. And with Just Fab, you get access to all the fashion you want at a value you'll love, all from the comfort of your own home. Millions of women say Just Fab is their go-to site to see what's new and trending and choose clothing, accessories, even swimwear. Summer's coming. When you first visit JustFab.com, you take a style quiz. After that, you'll get a personalized shopping experience with your favorite styles rising to the top. You can shop as a guest or become VIP. Spoiler, becoming a VIP is the best way to shop. You get 30% off retail prices and access to tons of other exclusive sales and perks. I signed up as a VIP, which made it so easy and so much fun to shop. I just log in each month to check out all the fabulous new styles. If I decide to shop, I'm charged $39.95. That's a credit I can use for anything on the site and it never expires. If not, I just skip the month and pay nothing. Imagine your favorite store was offering you a discount on all the merchandise for life and all you had to do was check out what was new each month with absolutely no pressure to buy. That's the value of just fab VIP memberships. I love being a VIP. It's always cool to be a VIP and you will too. So here's your call to action. Don't wait. If you go to justfab.com slash over it right now and sign up as a VIP, you get 50% off your entire order. You heard that right. Visit justfab.com slash over it to get half off everything on the site. Justfab.com slash over it. And speaking of fabulous things, don't you want your home to look fabulous? Well, I am so excited about Havenly, which is the most delightful way to design spaces in your home on any budget. You get to partner with an interior designer to create a beautiful design based on your unique style and space. You can then buy what you love directly through Havenly's platform with access to hundreds of retailers and the guaranteed best prices. Let's face it, we could all use a little help with designing a space in our home, and it makes it more fun to co-create with someone. And Havenly is the easiest and most affordable way to actually do it. They've completed tens of thousands of beautiful design, and their team of designers works with you online to design the living space of your dreams, whether it be a guest room, family room, kitchen, your whole house, whatever. Starting at just $79 per room, Havenly helps you every step of the way using your budget and your style to shape the design you want at a price you can afford because we all deserve a beautiful living space. Start by taking the free Havenly style quiz. It's a fun way to learn your unique design style and helps Havenly match you up with the perfect designer to put together the perfect room. 
Here's your call to action. Try Havenly today by visiting havenly.com slash over it. That's H-A-V-E-N-L-Y.com slash over it, O-V-E-R-I-T. And get 25% off your design package. That's havenly.com slash over it for 25% off your first design package. As usual, I always like to share something personal on the show. And as I mentioned in last week's episode, I got the boot. (laughs) I had a stress fracture in my foot. A lot of you have been asking me how I got it. It's a combination of wearing flip-flops too much. So all you people out there that love your flip-flops, they are terrible for your feet, especially if they have no arch support and especially if you're kind of small-boned or have narrow feet like I do. And when I was in Australia for like two and a half months, I was walking around in flip-flops way too much. So that was one reason. And then the other reason was running on the beach too much barefoot and, and mostly soft sand, but I would run on hard sand too. So I'm dealing with this. And what I have realized is a lot of things. One, how freaking grateful I am to most of the time have a body that can run and move and dance and do all the things that I love to do. I love being active. I love moving around. I love going for walks. I love parking, you know, far away in in that parking lot instead of like right up close. I love to get my exercise. I just love to be mobile and I love to work out. I really do. And with this boot, I can't do so much of that. And honestly, I have felt depressed and irritable. And I'm sharing this with you because I know so many of you deal with irritability or depression or anxiety. And I want to ask you, are you exercising? I think one of the keys to my peace of mind is I work out, I exercise, I sweat at least four to seven times a week. I I make sure I don't over push myself. That's one of the things I've learned, especially about being a woman is that our bodies aren't designed to overexert ourselves, but everybody's body is designed to move. And getting to the gym, even if it's 30 minutes and getting your heart rate up, doing a circuit training, going for a sprint, doing a spin class, dancing, all of those things, it just creates so many endorphins and you release all those feel good hormones and you get your adrenaline up. And I have had to find other ways (laughs) to relieve my stress and to get my heart rate up. I've had to be a little bit more creative but I feel the difference significantly. So this is my public service announcement for movement. Find a movement you love. Don't look at exercise as like a way to lose weight or a have to. It's truly a get to. Speaking as someone who's a little bit immobile right now, I'm envious of any of you that have two feet that work really well. Get them outside, get them running on the beach, but make sure you're in the soft sand or wearing tennis shoes with some kind of arch support. Get them out dancing, get off your butt basically and move. And that will not only do so much for your body, but it will do so much for your state of mind as well. Make it a priority. And also as you're doing it, make sure along the way that you're working with some kind of trainer or some kind of physiotherapist or a really good chiropractor to make sure you're doing movement that isn't hurting you. I see a lot of people at the gym throwing themselves around on treadmills and ellipticals and spin bites and, and the weight room without having good form. So invest in yourself. Have somebody show you how to work out, how to train. So not only can you get that release and that that endorphin high and, and all that adrenaline moving through your body in a good way, but that you're also doing movement that supports the biomechanics of your body. 
You only got one body. And if you want to age gracefully and not end up in a boot like me, make sure you're doing things that are really not just good for your mind, but good for your body as well. So that's my little public service announcement. I, you know, haven't really struggled with any kind of depression or any blah kind of feelings in a while. And this is the first time I was like, Ooh, wow, I feel a bit down. And I know it's directly connected to one being in pain and a little bit upset and two, just more stagnant. So if you live a very stagnant, sit in front of a computer, sit in your car, sit, 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 sit kind of life, set the intention to be more active. I promise you it will start to shift your brain chemistry. So speaking of shifting, that's exactly what I do with Frances on the call today. Her initial call is about starting her own coaching practice, but we dive a lot deeper as we do in this show and really talk about how this is really an issue of trust and self-trust. So as you're listening to this call, consider, are you wanting to start a coaching practice? Do you have a coach of your own? Do you have a group of people that you feel really close to and connected with that you trust and can be intimate with in terms of sharing and vulnerability? Did you grow up in an environment where you were told don't trust people or that you didn't even feel safe in your own home? And finally, do you ever suffer from imposter syndrome? And imposter syndrome is feeling like you're doing something that you maybe you're not qualified to do or that you're not good enough to do, almost like you're faking it. Do you ever feel like that? So keep these questions in mind as you listen to my coaching call with Francis. Francis, welcome to the show. What's your question? Uh, well, my question surrounds about starting my life coaching business. I have some ideas, but I think that I'm struggling with uh, dealing with the imposter syndrome and feel like I need to get somewhere first before I can actually start that sort of thing. So mm-hmm. I don't, I'd like through those thoughts to see uh, what's kind of holding me back from really just getting it together and just doing it. Just doing it. Where do you think you need to be? Um, well, the thing is, I feel that, you know, I've done some therapy in, in the past, but I feel like I haven't. Um, I haven't had a, a life coach myself yet. Mm. And so I feel like to do that, to have that experience first before I can actually take someone there. So my goal for this year is to, um, you know, find that person so that I can, you know, experience that for myself before I can ask someone else to experience that. Well, actually, I highly agree with that. I think that that is a very, I encourage all coaches to always have a coach. I'll always have coaches myself. So. I think that's very wise and intuitive of you. So yes, go and do that. And what's the delay with that? Um, I think it's a combination of whether it's finding the right person, finances, and just, yeah, I think that's just both of it. Yeah. Because, you know, a lot of coaches don't do a lot of that deep coaching. They do a lot of that surface, you know, let's be real logistic about it. And so uh, finding the right coach, I think that's what I Okay. And do you think that could be a limiting belief? (laughs) (laughs) So let me ask you this. What was therapy like for you? Therapy was, it was good, but it wasn't long enough. And so it it surrounded a particular situation. Mm -hmm. So I think for me, and, and it was just about a relationship that I was involved in. And so I think that kind of took me, um, the rails and for therapy sessions. 
uh, versus some other stuff that probably could have, you know, been deeper explored. Mm. What scares you about having a life coach that can really, really see you and take you to deep places? It doesn't, I think back then maybe, but I think now I'm, I'm kind of, I'm ready to go to that depth. Um, but I think it's just finding the right person to do that with. Well, there must be something because otherwise you would have found the person because when we're ready, the teacher appears. Mm. So what do you, yeah. What do you think is keeping you from being fully available? Ah, that's a really good question. Um, maybe there are things that I'm distracting myself with. That's not related to that. Like what? Um, it's a good question. Huh? More along the lines, like I started a, a podcast with my friend and we've been doing that. And, um, I think I'm distracted with other people and other things and not really focused on what I should, not sure what I could be doing to, to get myself to that place. And what kind of people and things are distracting you other than the podcast? Well, I have, a, I have this tendency to keep my circle really, really small. And so mm-hmm. I've let go a lot of friendships and a lot of people and I'm trying to, I guess, get back into society, I guess you could say. Mm-hmm. So I, I keep it really small. And I don't know if that's, that's keeping me from making those types of connections. And so, what's the block? Uh, trust, probably. Mm. Trust. Cause it's really hard to find folks who aren't sleeping, I guess. Um, so I tend to do a lot of observing beforehand before I, I make those types of connections. Mm-hmm. I think it's more, I think it's more on the, um, because I feel like there's two spectrums, right, where uh, you might be, I don't want to say too open, but maybe allowing too many folks in, whereas I'm on the other spectrum where I'm really just um, limiting how much uh, involvement of others I'm with. So why, Francis, do you think you have a difficult time trusting people? Where does that come from? Um, I, I mean, I think all that stems from, you know, upbringing, um, I grew up in a, a household that was really, I would say, distant and kind of on my own. So I think it's always been my thing. Right. And in growing up in that household where you felt on your own and distant, what beliefs do you think you formed about yourself and about life and about other people? Um, I would say that people hard to trust. So I come from a, a Caribbean household where we always told not to trust others. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Be very mindful. Uh, mm-hmm. So I keep pretty much a lot of people arms like, mm-hmm. Right. Which and I think obviously gets, gets in the way of wanting to be. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Because, you know, in order to be a coach there and, and the kind of coach that it seems like you want to be, um, we have to be able to let people in. And this is probably impacting why you haven't found the coach as well, because there's still a belief running that you really can't trust people. Like you can't let people get too close. Like it was okay to have the therapist because it was a situational issue, but to really let somebody in and to really let somebody see you 
may feel a little scary. Yeah. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. So let me ask this. Why do you want to be coach? Um, I love uh, seeing how people are able to, when you have conversations with people and you're able to draw the genius out of them. And, and it's just through uh, a conversation that's, you know, filled with intimacy and connection and trust. And often I meet a lot of people who have incredible gifts and talents and one conversation can totally just shift their whole perspective. Mm-hmm. And so I, I like having those experiences with people. But also my background was in social work and psychology mm-hmm. and I did the therapist thing and I realized I didn't want to be more problem focused, but more um, sort of like positive psychology. Beautiful. And who is your ideal client? My ideal client is somebody who um, I would say lives a mission-driven life. So somebody who's uh, looking to have an impact in whatever it is that they do, what they want to do, whatever they want to create. And how would you help them do that? Yeah, like why are they, why are they coming to you if they are mission driven? Mm-hmm. Where are they stuck? What are their blocks, and how are you going to help them overcome? Uh, I would say some of their blocks potentially could be because sometimes we we get to a place where whatever that we, whatever we're doing may not get us to the next level, mm-hmm. um, and so maybe you know my influence or my position could be to help them get there. Or they just wanted to co-create, uh, and so together um, you create whatever it is that you know. Whether they need clarity or, um, yeah, I guess that's something I have to think about a little bit deeper. Mm-hmm. And what if they feel? What if they're suffering from imposter syndrome? How would you help them? <sighs> that's a great question. Mm-hmm. <laughs> Because <laughs> you know, it's interesting. It makes me think of one of your coaching calls that says that um, we, we teach what we most need to learn. Yes. And I was thinking about that when I actually uh, sent the request in to to have this session with you. So, um, uh, I think part of it is being genuine and authentic. And I think if you come from a place of really wanting to serve people that will help get past the imposter syndrome. Well, that's part of it. But the biggest part of imposter syndrome, when it's actually, when there's actually truth to it, is Mm -hmm. when we aren't in integrity with what we're not doing for ourselves, what we're doing for others. Mm -hmm. And here you want, I mean, I imagine your client, you want your clients to trust you. Mm -hmm. I imagine you want them to be intimate with you. I imagine you want them to drop defenses and stories and really be present. Would that all be true? Absolutely. But do you see how you haven't felt safe to do that in your own life? Yep. Yeah. And so you've gone into this role where you create that for others, which is beautiful because now you know how to do it. So now it is, how do you, Francis, create that for yourself? And how do you put yourself in vulnerable positions where, because the only way that we can 
flex our trust muscle is to put ourselves in situations where there's some degree of vulnerability or uncertainty Mm -hmm. or surrender. Mm -hmm. When we've got it all under control or we're the ones leading things, then there's no way to really flex that trust muscle. Yeah. I logically understand that. Is there a but? I think part of that is the environment where I could do that. Well, having a coach is a great first step. And also, like, would you say that there are relationships or people you hang out with now that maybe you need to shift? Uh, It's very small. So I would say not really. Okay. Well, then maybe the better question is, (laughs) can you see how expanding into relationships would be a very self-honoring choice? But you've got to, you know, you're running the belief that it's hard to find people that are awake. I disagree. I find them all over the place. But I am not running the belief that they're hard to find. That's true. But the other thing is you've got some more waking up to do. Because you've put yourself in a position to be an expert, but have maybe not dealt with some of your own stuff. Yeah. And I think that that's where the imposter syndrome is truly coming from. And I'm not saying you're broken at all. Mm -hmm. Far from it. And I'm not saying, oh my gosh, you have so much work to do. But I think that there's a part of you that wants to be the recipient of all the things you're currently offering to others. I think there's a part of you that's longing for someone to be by your side, to take your hand and say, Francis, you know what? You can fall apart. I'm here. You don't have to figure this all out. I will be your guide. I will love you unconditionally. I will not judge you. I'm here. Yeah. Can you see how you've been that for others? Yeah. It's interesting that you said that because it's kind of been in the background for me. And, um, and I realize I'm more than you know, it's time for me to kind of, you know, put that focus on me first. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. That's probably why I haven't quote unquote launched or done anything really because I think I know it's time to do that. Yeah. Yeah. And isn't that beautiful that your higher wisdom knows the appropriate order of things? Cause it's not like you wouldn't be, a good coach. It's not like you're not ready. This is not in anything against you or a judgment of you or anything like that. It's just your higher, your inner wisdom, your higher self has known the proper order of things. And mm-hmm. we have to get input before we give output. Yeah. Yeah. I see that now. And the more you learn how to work with everything that you're teaching others, the more embodied it will be and the more powerful of a coach you will be and the more confident you'll be to put yourself out there because you've done it. Right. You know, for me, it was much different when I just had a lot of awareness and concepts in my head and I was telling everybody else about it versus when I actually integrated so much of what I read about and heard about and everything like that. It was a much different come from does. Yeah. I don't want to be that concept. I want to be that concept person. I just want to be the person that really walks the talk to a certain degree. Beautiful. And just that statement, Francis, shows me that you already are doing it. Just that commitment, just that desire shows me that you are doing it, that you are walking the talk because you're hearing everything that I'm saying. 
and it's resonating as truth. So can you acknowledge yourself for that? I do. I could feel it. Yeah. What can you acknowledge yourself for? Well, I acknowledge myself for being really completely honest mm-hmm. um, with my feelings and um, and being honest with the where it's all coming from. Yeah. And, and it, the beliefs that surround it and what's really... Because I'm a big person that's, oh, you know, these things are blocking me. Like, I could say that, but now it's, you know, I have to take it in for myself. Yeah. But some of these limiting beliefs are really getting in the way of me finding those people who I can have these types of conversations with and, and eventually lead to the coach that I'm looking for. Yeah. Yeah. Well, let me ask you one more thing and see if I can help you a little bit. Um, growing up, what was the kind of primary feeling you felt? Mm. Fear. What were you scared of? Um, so I grew up in a household that I didn't grow up with my parents. So I grew up with aunts and I had one aunt who at the time was going through a really uh, bad divorce. She just came from, uh, from a different country and she was very, kind of had to walk on eggshells kind of thing. And mm-hmm. There was a lot of physical abuse, all that stuff. So um, fear. So I, I tell myself to be very quiet. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And so a lot of the work, not, not let's not call it work, let's call it healing, is between you and that little girl inside who knows that it's safe for her to speak up, like no one's going to come hit her if she uses yeah. her voice. Because there's a warrior spirit in you, I feel that, and a kind of a savior, right, that wants to go out and help people and give voice to people and help mission-driven entrepreneurs. But the person that you really want to give voice to is yourself. And it's almost like because it never felt safe for you, you want to do it through empowering others. But, but then you're leaving your own dream behind. So what I want to tell you and that little girl inside is, first of all, I'm so sorry that she went through that. I'm so sorry that she didn't have a loving home with a mom and a dad and that she had to grow up in chaos and fear and was hurt physically, emotionally, mentally. And she needs to find a safe space with you and with somebody that you work with to feel those feelings so that she feels safe to come out and speak up and be seen. Because it's not the grown-up you that's keeping your circle small. It's the little you who doesn't feel safe. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. And I'm not surprised you were drawn to social work. Because in so many ways you felt like a victim and so wanted somebody to come save you. (laughs) And you can. And that person that's going to save you is you. Yeah. But you're not broken. There's nothing wrong with you. And you can trust yourself and trust others. Mm. You know, you came to my retreat a few years ago. And do you remember how you felt the first day? Very awkward. (laughs) (laughs) Right? Very awkward and probably not that safe. 
right? Yeah. <laughs> and how did you feel Definitely. on the last day? Um, I felt a little much better in a sense that um, I decided to just go with it. It was completely outside of my comfort zone, that whole experience. Yeah. Um, but I, I felt, it really felt like, you know, a lot of us, you know, it's almost that whole oneness feeling that mm-hmm. no matter where you are and who you are, we all kind of are looking for the same things. Yes. And, um, and it was just nice to see it and feel it. Exactly. So you have an experience now, at least one, there's probably more, of feeling safe and trusting. And the people didn't change. It wasn't like Friday I brought in all the people you can't trust and Sunday I bring in all the people you can. <laughs> right. But you you work through stuff and you started to feel safer in your own skin and you let yourself be seen. Yeah. So that's really the road. That's really the road through here is to let yourself receive love, support, healing, really nurture yourself, really make this a time of incredible self-care. Yeah. It's interesting because last year was all about healing, but I think um, I need to not have to do it by myself. (laughs) Exactly. Because as a little girl, how much did you feel by yourself? A lot. Yeah. So in a way, that's become your coping strategy. Mm-hmm. So you know how to do it, but it's not, it's not your best tool in your toolbox. No, it's not. So now let's use the tool of vulnerability, asking for support, asking for help, intimacy. Yeah. Yeah. So what'd you learn? Well, I think the biggest insight was don't have to do it by myself. Mm-hmm. Um, second is that I keep, you know, I have this limiting belief that there aren't people like that, but there really is. I just have to shift that thought so that I can open myself up to bringing those people in, mm-hmm. making those connections. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And to... You know, and I think that will lead to finding the coach that will work for me so that I can do that work so that I can be the best coach that I can be. Absolutely. Absolutely. And how do you feel? Nervous, but <laughs> it feels good. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. So I, I just encourage you to just really put it out there to the universe. Like, okay, I'm ready. I'm ready, universe. Have the teacher show up. I'm ready. And it might be a coach, it might be a therapist, it might be um, who knows who it is, but just really put that prayer, put that intention out there and proactively look too. But as you're sitting down to look or search, drop into a short meditation, set the intention and just really ask your higher wisdom to guide you. I'll do that for sure. All right. Well, and I, I'm excited and looking forward to hearing the discoveries that you make and thank you for your willingness to do the work as a coach both as the client <laughs> and and as the incredibly embodied coach well thank you Christine this has been very helpful 
Thank you, Francis, so much for calling in. Thank you for bringing this question forward. I know that there are a lot of current and aspiring coaches listening, so I hope that you found that call of value. As you heard, there were a few blocks, and I really acknowledge Francis's honesty about what those blocks were. The first one we talked about is being a little out of integrity or incongruent by not having a coach. I believe, and I said this in the call, any coach should, I don't love using should, but I'm using it in this context, any coach should have a coach. I mean, seriously, if you're a personal trainer, you wouldn't not work out. If you were a chef, you wouldn't never taste your food or never enjoy different culinary delights. You know, we've got to practice what we preach and what we teach. And even though I've been coaching people since 2004, and I would consider myself a master coach and I've done a ton of work, I always have a coach. I just invested in my coach for this coming year. A good five-figure investment because I truly, truly believe that if I want to continue to grow and serve and if I want to be in integrity in what I'm doing every week on this show and what I'm doing at my workshops and what I'm doing in my private practice, then I have to make sure I'm also investing in it as well. And not from the place of, oh my gosh, I'm broken and there's always something to fix, but more from that growth mindset and having someone there to call me forward, to illuminate my blind spots and to create a safe space for me to just be vulnerable. You know, I hold a lot of space for a lot of people and it's important for any kind of healer or coach or parent, anybody that holds space for other people to have somebody that holds space for you. And yes, we have our friends and our network and our family, but it's a different dynamic when you pay someone because it's more of a, a one-way street. I don't want to say one way, but because there's definitely a give and a take from both the client and the coach. But as the client with a coach that you pay, you can really just be in that mode of receptivity. I always hold that space for my clients. I never expect them to give me anything back, but I do receive from them. You know, I receive their vulnerability. I receive their commitment. I, I get to be a window to their insights and their transformation and their healing. And to me, that's such a blessing. But then I make sure that I have a space where I can go to, where I can just receive and give back in a different way to my own coach. So if you are a coach and you don't have a coach, please get one and really look at any limiting beliefs you have around coaches. One of Francis's was that it's hard to find the right coach. They, many don't do the deep work. That's not true. <laughs> I know lots of coaches out there who do the deep work. And if you are looking for a coach, I have room for a new client starting in mid-May. And then we also have coaches that have trained under me. So if you are interested in exploring any of that, you can email jill at christinehassler.com. So this call really shifted when Francis and I started talking about trust, because that's what this really was about. She wasn't trusting herself. And I think the reason she wasn't finding the right coach is because she wasn't trusting others. And it's hard to attract the right kind of coach or just generally people into our lives if we are a bit skeptical of people in general. She said her network was very small. She even had some limiting beliefs around other people. So my encouragement to her was really to challenge those limiting beliefs and open up to all the amazing coaches out there and people out there. And the reason why that was more difficult for her was because, again, she grew up hearing, don't trust people. So it's reframing that belief and really affirming that you can trust people. And here's the key to knowing who to trust. You trust yourself. You trust yourself. I know 
that I am going to attract people in my life and invite people into my life that I can trust because I trust myself and I trust my intuition. I trust my judgment. So it all begins with self-trust. And for Francis, it's really about reconnecting with that little girl and tell her that she's safe now, that she's not going to be abused or laughed at or told to be quiet, that she can start to speak up. She can start to speak up. So that's the work. First, the self-trust, and then moving into opening up to the belief that people are trustworthy, that people are safe. Another coaching strategy that I used with Frances was to ask her about how she would coach a client through suffering from imposter syndrome. And her answer was really coming from that place of wanting to serve people and help people. You know, that if you just want to serve them and help them, that's all that matters. That's you're not an imposter. That's partially true. Coming from that come from of, I want to serve, I want to help is great. However, if we're not walking the talk, and I don't mean we have to be perfect, right? I am in no way, shape, or form perfect. I'm still learning and growing, but I'm doing my own work. So that's what I really mean about walking the talk and practicing what we preach. It doesn't mean that if I'm preaching about not being self-critical, that I never spend a moment (laughs) being self-critical, but it means that I'm working my own process around when my inner critic comes up. I'm working with my coach around that. So please hear me. Walking the talk doesn't mean you're there. It doesn't mean you have it all figured out. It means that you're practicing the principles that you teach. That's how integration happens. Frances said something really important. She said, I don't want to be the concept person. You know, I want to walk the talk. And I love that she's doing that. And I love that she's going to stop blaming not having the right coach or right people on the environment. I said on the call, I disagree with the belief that it's hard to find people that are awake. But, you know, she has some waking up to do. And before putting herself in the position to be an expert, before dealing with some of her own stuff, that's where the incongruency and some of the imposter syndrome is coming from. But I know that as soon as she starts really doing the work, investing in the coach, trusting herself, that imposter syndrome will go away. One last thing I wanted to touch on is that I asked her growing up, what was the primary feeling you felt? And her answer was fear. So of course her circle is small. Of course trust is an issue. So again, like it is in so many of these calls, it's going back and healing that little girl, reassuring her that she's safe. Like I said earlier, reassuring her that she can use her voice. And I see this a lot with aspiring coaches. You try to heal yourself through other people. Like in Francis, she wants to help other people and help them find their voice. But it has to begin with her. So often when it doesn't feel safe for us, we do what we want to do through empowering others, but then we leave our own dream behind and you don't want to do that. Yes. Help others serve others, but don't leave your own dream behind and how you don't leave your own dream behind is you deal, you heal, you get your coach, you own your dream and you go for it. And finally, I want to remind all of you, especially you coaches, that my masterclass is coming up June 30th, July 1st, and it is selling out. We only have about 10 seats left. It's in San Diego, again, June 30th and July 1st. Email jill at christinehassler.com or go to the link we have in the show notes, which is christinehassler.com slash coach training. Again, that's christinehassler.com slash coach training. You can find it there. And one last 
invitation for you, another podcast to check out. The Lady Gang Podcast is hitting you up every Tuesday and Thursday on Podcast One. Join their awesome hosts as they interview guests like Destiny's Child, Michelle Williams, and then answer your burning questions with Lady Gang Quickies. You can download the Lady Gang Podcast at Podcast One and Apple Podcasts. Also, remember to rate and review all your favorite podcasts, especially mine. That always helps the show. That's our show for this week, everybody. Thank you for listening. Much love and many blessings. Until next time. Thank you for listening to Over It Non With It. I love hearing from you. So please post your comments or questions at christinehasler.com slash podcast. That's also the place you can sign up to receive coaching from me in an upcoming episode. And if you love this show, please share it and subscribe on iTunes. You can find all my social media handles and sign up to be part of my community at christinehasler.com. Until next week, here's to getting over it and on with it. Much love and many blessings.